thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I pray that you would speak this morning uh, and not me, Lord, that your word would go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to continue a series we started a couple weeks ago. It's called Surrounded. I sent most of you a text message. I said, uh, in your opinion, what are we just surrounded by in the world today? And we're basing this series off of your answers. Uh, So the top two answers were we're surrounded by a world of uncertainty. We talked about that the first week. One of the greatest uh, seasons in Israel's history of uncertainty was when the torch passed from Moses to Joshua. But God said, uh, hey, on the other side of the the Jordan River, that season, the uncertainty that lies there, that's what I'm calling you into with boldness, with confidence, and with strength. So we talked about that the first week. Last week, we talked about what was actually your number one answer, that in the world today, we are surrounded by greed. Uh, Greed is one of the topics that Jesus, uh, it's one of the only topics that he prefaced it by saying, Be on guard when it comes to this. Uh, Be on guard when it comes to greed because greed is deceptive. And we talked about last week what it looks like to live Christian lives when we're surrounded by a world full of greed. Uh, And we looked at how we are stewards in a world of owners. We are focused on the kingdom causes rather than worldly riches uh, and how we are called to give abundantly uh, in a world that just says accumulate more. But I am really excited about today. Uh, Because today I asked you guys, what are we surrounded by in the world today? And you said we are surrounded by sin and evil. Uh, I'm not excited about that because I like to talk about sin. Uh, I'm excited because Jesus shows us how we should live our lives when we are surrounded by sin and evil. It was uh, an eye-opening week for me, uh, and I believe it's going to be that for you uh, today. I hope so. Uh, But Jesus stepped into a world himself completely surrounded by sin. Uh, I looked it up this week. In the world today, we have somewhere around 37 million Christian churches, around 37 million Christian churches that are trying to at least steer people towards God or to do something to create some sort of moral compass uh, for people using the Bible. But when Jesus came, there had not been a prophetic voice other than John the Baptist in hundreds of years. And Jesus said the, the religious establishment of the day was no, no greater than the blind leading the blind. So Jesus stepped onto the earth, completely surrounded by sin and evil and corruption. But what was incredible that he did is he viewed all of this through a certain lens, and that's what we're going to look at today, but uh, you said we're surrounded by a world of sin. You actually said this is on two levels. On that first level that we're surrounded by people who engage in sin and evil and think nothing of it. It's, it's just, it comes by nature. But you also said we're surrounded by sin in the sense that we're surrounded by the temptation to engage in it. We're surrounded by constant temptation, and I want to address that side uh, for just a moment. Uh, I mentioned last week, whenever we are surrounded by anything, uh, there is almost like this gravitational pull that's trying to pull you into it. So when we're surrounded by greed, we have to be beware, be on guard that we're not being sucked into it. Uh, And you could say this with any number of things. When there is uh, a temptation around us to engage in greed or lust or gossip or slander, overindulgence of food or alcohol, 
the reality is, uh, in the world today, whatever you want, whether you should want it or not, is at your fingertips. Whatever you want is right there for the taking. But I, I want to show you this. Paul said this about temptation in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. Somebody say faithful. I think I've heard that word a few times this morning. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Uh, now, I love this because the reality is there is all sorts of temptation out there, and, and different people in here are dealing with temptation uh, over different areas of life. But Paul said, in the midst of all the various temptations, there is one constant truth, that in the midst of all of it, we serve a God who is faithful, a God who will always provide a way out. Uh, uh, and, and in fact, I think it's no accident that before Jesus ever launched into ministry, he began by going to a place of temptation. He began by saying, if anyone can relate with you, I can relate with you. And in fact, I think it's uh, chapter 4, verse 1 of Matthew. It says that he was actually led into the wilderness to be tempted. That's why he went there. The Holy Spirit led him there for the purpose of being tempted. Now, how did Jesus respond to temptation? Uh, Paul said in, in the armor of God, we have one offensive weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And when Jesus was tempted in the garden... Jesus went on the offensive. Jesus went to the word of God, and whenever Satan would tempt him with anything, Jesus would reply, it is written, it is written, it is written. And, and the first thing that he fights back with in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, it is, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I think that's more than just uh, plucking something out of scripture. I think he's laying a foundation there. And Jesus is saying, I have been feeding on the word of God. The point here is not to have a couple of verses memorized for a rainy day. The point uh, is that you should be so filled with the word of God that this is actually your natural response. The Bible says it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. We should be so full of the word of God that when temptation comes our way, our natural response is the word of God. You know, when temptation came, Jesus was immediately able to respond with the word of God because Jesus had been feeding on the word of God. That brings us to a, a very basic truth. What you feed will grow. What you starve will die. What you feed will grow, what you starve will die. Are you feeding your spirit with the word of God and with prayer? Are you feeding your flesh with all the junk this world has to offer? Uh, Emily and I were in Erie this week, and uh, we had a, a couple of days uh, alone. Uh, grandparents watch the, the kids, praise God. Uh, but... <laughs> We're in Erie, and, and we ran into a problem that we don't run into around here, and that's called restaurant choices. So <laughs> I said, what are we going to eat? And we had to think about it. And I said, um, you know what? I haven't had sushi in a long time. Why don't we find somewhere uh, with sushi? And we found a sushi buffet. And we go, and they didn't just have sushi, but they had hundreds of items. I mean, it, it's, it's the poster child for American gluttony. They had 
everything you could possibly want. And as I thought back on it, and I, and I look back at that, that massive buffet, I think there were probably about two things that were healthy. Everything else is horrible for you. And I thought to myself, is there any better picture of the spiritual situation around us where we are surrounded by an abundance, a buffet of junk that you can feed your flesh on or you can make a choice. I'm going to go on a diet and begin to feed my spirit with the word of God. I want to tell you something, whether it's big or small in your eyes, you have a calling in Christ. Uh, you are here for such a time as this, uh, for such a place of, as this, but, but I want you to understand where there is a calling, there will be resistance. Do you understand that? Where there is a calling on your life, there will be resistance. You don't prepare for resistance the day of resistance. You don't prepare for temptation the day of temptation. You don't prepare for a marathon the day of the marathon. Probably. Uh, <laughs> marathons sound pretty awful to me. Uh, a few people have said to me, you look, like you, you look like a runner. And I say, you look like you don't know me very well <laughs> because I am not a runner. Jesus said, when it comes to the word of God, we should be a people who abide in his word. You know, you, you cannot abide in the word of God in a day. But I think somebody needs to hear this. You begin abiding in the word of God in a day. Uh, there's a day where you have to make that decision today. I'm going on a diet and I'm going to begin feeding my spirit, laying that foundation. So when the day of temptation and the day of a, a resistance uh, arrives, my natural response is the word of God. Uh, I mentioned uh, that it, it was incredible that what Jesus was able to do was step into this world completely surrounded by sin and evil, but look at things through uh, a different lens. And I wanted this to be something that you remember that stuck with you, so I thought we would play a little game. And Travis has agreed to, 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 to come on up, Travis, <laughs> to be my little pawn here. All right. Yeah, I, I'm going to have you stand over here by the speaker. I asked Travis a, a few questions this week. Some of them were just to throw him off uh, so he didn't know what was coming. But one of the questions I asked him was, Travis, uh, about how many high fives have you given out in your lifetime? And Travis said hundreds, if not thousands. He's a big high fiver. Uh, so uh, is anybody able to set a timer real quick? Uh, or does your phone have a seconds on it? Or I meant your watch. Set a timer for, for 30 seconds. So this is the game. It's a really easy game. I'm going to stand over here, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds to give me a high five, okay? It's, it's an easy... I forgot one part of the game. Uh, we were in the store this week, and I found these glasses. And what these glasses do is they turn everything upside down. So I'm going to have you put those on, and I'm going to have you do something that you've done hundreds if not thousands of times. Can you set the timer for 30 seconds? And just <laughs> come give me a high five, Travis. I'm right here. <laughs> All right, thank you. 
did. Thank you, Travis. Uh, for the sake of complete honesty, I practiced that with my kids this morning, and I smacked Davy in the face. Uh, um, there is a saying about the kingdom of God, about the principles of the kingdom of God. It's an upside-down kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of God is a kingdom where the least is the greatest, where leaders are servants, where enemies are loved, where humility is exalted. And today we're going to look through the lenses of Jesus Christ at what it looks like to live in a world surrounded by sin. And what I'm hoping is that you find these good points, that maybe you write them down, and what I'm really hoping is that when you leave, you try to implement them into your lives. Now, when you do, it's going to feel like you have upside-down glasses on. It is going to be really hard. The glasses are going to fall off over and over, and what I'm asking you to do is to keep putting them on and keep trying because we serve a God of grace who's going to walk with us every step of the way. Amen? All right. Uh, the first thing I want you to see this morning is point number one, Silas. When others saw the sinner, Jesus saw the brokenness. In John chapter 8, beginning in verse 3, it says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, now this means all of the religious leaders of the day, brought in a woman who were, was caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, this, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, and neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Most people stop right here, but I think we need to include the next verse. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, if we were to turn out all of the lights in this room, and then we turned all the lights on, uh, there's two perspectives or two opinions as to what has just taken place. Uh, one perspective says the darkness has been destroyed. It has been destroyed by the light. And the other perspective is the darkness has been converted into light. See, in this moment, the religious leader said, this woman is a sinner, and we need to expunge and destroy the darkness. But Jesus was not interested in destroying the darkness in her. He was interested in restoring the brokenness, in, in converting her into light. Does that make sense? Uh, when we leave this place, remember the, the Pharisees, in their mind, they're just thinking of perceived justice. This is how I would perceive justice for the sinner, is you just wipe them out. And Jesus could only see compassion. He could only see the opportunity for restoration. When we leave this place, 
uh, and we're reminded, and we'll be reminded probably pretty quickly when we walk out the doors that we are surrounded by sin. We should remember first, with new lenses, we are surrounded by brokenness, and we are surrounded by need. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, we come to the story of a man named Zacchaeus. Uh, let's just read that, and uh, uh, we'll begin in verse 1 of Luke 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector. Uh, now, you could kind of mark that chief tax collector and insert whatever you want because that would have been sinner of sinners, traitor to the land of Israel, a thief in their eyes. They would have looked at this man and said, he is nothing but a, 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 a treacherous sinner. And he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, what, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Again, they look at Zacchaeus and all they see is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And the Bible says that he came to seek the lost. That doesn't mean that he was just looking for them. It means that he literally went after them. I want you to see something. Point number two, when we put those lenses on, when others saw the sinner, Jesus saw his purpose. Jesus said, this is why I am here. I am here to seek and to save the lost. I mentioned earlier that we should be a people who approach life with this mindset that I am here for such a time as this, for such a place as this, that God has strategically placed you exactly where you are in life so that you could reach people that I'll never reach. Your spouse can reach people that you'll never, you have been strategically placed. And do you know what that takes sometimes? It takes putting on these glasses that doesn't just look at the sin of your coworker, but looks at the fact that that's why you are there. Not to bring destruction to the darkness in the workplace, but to bring light to the darkness in the workplace. John, uh, Jesus said in John 5, he said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But what about when he's not in the world? In Matthew 5, he said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they see your deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, that they see what you do and they glorify God. That people see what you do in this life and they connect that to God. So when others saw the sinner, Jesus saw the brokenness, and when others saw the sinner, Jesus saw his purpose. 
And finally, today I want to look at the story of Paul. Uh, Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners. And if you look at his resume, it's kind of hard to disagree. Uh, He was the persecutor of the Christian church. Uh, It didn't matter if it was man or woman. Uh, If Paul found out they were Christians, uh, Saul at the time, he would drag them off uh, and put them in prison to be beaten or worse. And I was thinking about how Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. Paul kind of had the opposite mission to seek and to save the saved. Exactly what Jesus was doing, he was doing the opposite. He was going out looking for those who were believers so that he could persecute them. Uh, As Paul's reputation would spread in the, the early church, you can imagine the prayers of the believers, prayers for swift justice against Paul. Uh, Prayers that God's mighty fist of judgment would fall upon Paul. But Jesus had other plans. And Jesus encountered him on the road to Damascus in uh, Acts chapter 9. And he sent Paul to the house of a believer named Ananias. The Bible says Ananias knew exactly who Paul was. And he kind of responded accordingly. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 13. uh, Mike, you can go ahead and come up. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So the first two points again. When others saw just the sinner, Jesus saw the brokenness. And when others saw just the sinner, Jesus saw his purpose. And I want you to see this last point. When others saw the sinner, Jesus saw their purpose. Do you see that? And what Paul is, or what Jesus is saying about Paul, he's sending Ananias. And Ananias is saying, do you know who this is and what he has done? And Jesus is saying, do you know the calling that I have on his life? The gospel is not just meant for the four walls of the church. God's calling is not confined to the four walls of the church. And we have to put those lenses on that we see the worst of the worst out there. And we say, God has a calling on their life. God has a calling on your life. And then we have to do what Ananias said. We have to put those glasses on and we have to speak that calling over their lives. There are millions of people walking around with purpose and calling, and they have no clue because no one has told them yet. But that's okay. Because God sent Sherry to the hospital, Tim to the schools, Travis to wherever he works, All the students in here, you've been sent to the hallways of your school and you can speak life and purpose into your classmates, something perhaps no one else has ever done in their life. And God has strategically placed you there. Can you stand with me this morning? It is an upside-down kingdom, church. And when we leave this place, I ask you to put those glasses on 
When you see the sinner, you see the calling. You see your calling. And we step out in boldness and we take the church outside of this room. As Mike leads us, I'm going to ask you to just reflect and, and invite the Holy Spirit this morning. may not be real comfortable. I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you that person who you have said in your mind, they are beyond hope. They are the chief of sinners outside of yourselves, outside of myself. That person that is nothing but a, a pain in your side, that maybe God has placed you there to be the person who says, no, there's more for you, there's purpose for you, there's calling for you. I can't find that person for you, so as Mike leads you, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and search for that person in your heart. Can we do that? Lord, I pray for a spirit of revelation in this place. Lord, I pray that we would see that we are called and that sometimes we are called to speak purpose over others and show us that person this morning. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that that is also our new lens, God. That when we see others, we remember just how much you love them, God. that we leave this place excited to be your messengers, Lord, with your truth and your gospel, Lord, that is good news. Lord, as we leave this place, I pray we are your hands, that we are your feet, and we are the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, thank you so much uh, for being here. I'm just going to ask one thing. Of, actually, a few real quick announcements since we didn't do them. Uh, back to school donations due next week. A movie night this Friday at 730 here at the church. Popcorn and snacks here. And then August 29th, we're having an end of summer picnic. Uh, so that, that'll be right after service. The only thing I ask of you is somebody find Brian and say, I don't care what he says, you're a good looking dude, okay? <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.